where my brother and I talk about video games we played in our past and the memories we have of them. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the games that left an impression on us, put on some rose-tinted glasses, and reminisce about it a bit. Then, we get to replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be rolling back the clock and talking about Road Rash and Road Rash 2 for the Sega Genesis, or the Mega Drive for the non-Americans. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. And we've got our producers, Kyle and Lisa, here, ready to go. And so let's just dive right in. All right, we are on episode six. And we're uh, changing up the genres a bit, going in a different direction with Road Rash. Just a bit. Just just a little bit, but staying in our comfort zone of the Sega Genesis. So should be a fun time. Definitely had some people that have given us some great feedback talking about how it's taking them back with all of these Sega games we've been playing. So it's kind of nice to go back to what we started with. Uh, Genuinely, what we started with when it comes to gaming. Right. One thing we want to do in this little section that will pop up probably more often than we are uh, comfortable with is go over anything we would like corrected or fixed from previous episodes. So Chris, I think there's something you want uh, to put on record. I think it's mostly a clarification. I think uh, last episode we were we were bemoaning the people that didn't expect RPGs to be turn-based, and I realized that both of us were thinking the same thing. We were thinking JRPGs, not necessarily Western RPGs, which aren't necessarily turn-based, right? For example, your uh, Dragon Age, your Borderlands, those are all RPGs that are not turn-based. Yeah, I think in our heads when we say RPG are, are just because, again, the influence of what games we started with as RPGs were JRPGs. Immediately JRPGs, So yeah. they're all turn-based, or a lot of them were, even. Yeah. Just make sure I point that out, we just do, in case. We do acknowledge there are RPGs that are not turn-based and have never really been turn-based. So I think that clears up at least one of our errors. I'm sure there are more we'll come across to at some point. Let us know. We probably didn't catch it. I know I misspoke a couple times and didn't realize it till we listened to the episode. I mean, the truth is, words are hard, and uh, words are hard. I'm just that's just going to be a mantra of my life at this point, apparently. And phrasing is hard. That's something I remember now. I think it was episode three, right, Jacket Daxter, where you kept saying my father did this and my father did that. For the record, we had the same father. We do. You were just phrasing it weirdly. Because I'm not used to talking about it with just you. Yes, that's true. Yes, we do have the same two parents, as far as we know, to be fair. <laughs> they haven't told us otherwise. I think I think the other thing we point out, speaking of our parents, is apparently there is a discrepancy in how often Chris and I played video games as our youth. As my mother pointed out to us, Chris didn't play video games that often because his grades weren't good enough. <laughs> that is not actually surprising at all. 
And I was like, but to be fair, I told her, I was like, my grades might have been better, but I don't remember playing that much often than him. She's like, no, that's true. You just weren't allowed to play video games that often. Like, <laughs> but our, it's fine. our mother specifically called out the fact that Chris apparently didn't have good enough grades to play video games that often. That's fair. It all worked out. But thanks for listening, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And you turned out okay. We turned out fine. Okay. okay. You both have jobs. We both have jobs. It's true. So I was uh, looking through some of the social media stuff for Road Rash. We didn't put anything out there, but I think we had some comments here and there. So just figured give a shout out to some of those we had uh we had that one clip that i posted where lisa managed to drop the switch on my knee in the middle of the race <laughs> which was which just did, glorious which was amazing so check that out on instagram and twitch if you haven't seen it one of our friends tom from uh, will run for he said god we loved road rash so it's it's definitely a, a nostalgic thing we had another comment uh road rash 2 was the best from from a thomas friend of mine on facebook and then uh friend of ours justin that we knew growing up he said it doesn't count as one i grew up with but i played the hell out of road rash 3d on playstation one half the time it was for the soundtrack which we have not played it it's got to have a better soundtrack than this game i so. was gonna say i think i think the later ones they try to lean into the like later game mechanics of having really popular soundtracks um we'll talk yeah. about later because they're going to be games we're definitely going to cover later in the podcast but things like tony hawk and was just something that bands actively tried to get on those soundtracks for and i think road yeah. rash 3d might have been one of the earlier ones to start doing that yeah we'll we'll try to put out before we tape these some questions to get some feedback so let us know obviously you can kind of get a sneak peek of what we're playing if you see us on twitch but yeah please interact tell us tell us how we're doing tell us uh what do you think of the games we're playing so we look forward to hearing from you all another fun thing about going back to these old games and especially about streaming them is you we've run across a really interesting online community of people who still care about these games we've had a lot of really great interactions during our playthroughs it's so weird like because we're playing these games and you'll have like two or three people like random people that'll come in and, and jump into the chat and be like, oh, here's how you do this, or here's how you do that. And it's like, oh, how did you find this? Like, I'm glad you're here, but this is really cool. And that is the amazing thing, because Chris and I pretty much suck at all these games. We have people coming in and giving us advice all the time, which is wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and they've been like 99.9% .9 really pleasant people coming in. So if anyone who watched our streams is now tuning into the podcast... Thank you. Welcome. We appreciate your help because we suck. So now on to what's becoming one of my favorite segments of the show. It's time for Video Game Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! Pew pew! <laughs> I like this segment too because I get to yell. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, it kind of makes the segment. It's true. So what is our Video Game Trope of the Day this time, Chris? Our trope of this episode is rubber banding, and this is almost exclusively in racing games, which is appropriate, obviously, because that's what we're doing. So what is rubber banding, Katie? So the official like fancy definition is it's a type of dynamic game difficulty balancing. Uh, so basically, it's supposed to be a way that makes it so the AI in a game aren't either 
too good for you that you get frustrated or too terrible that it's too easy. It's supposed to be a way to kind of balance that out. The problem is rubber banding isn't necessarily the best way of doing that. It's the easy way to do it. It's the super easy way of doing it. So this is when either when you're in the back everyone in front of you is going kind of slow so you catch up them really quickly or when you pass everyone suddenly they get to go way faster than they should be allowed to to catch up to you to keep it competitive so that that is and the idea is that they are attached to you as a player by a rubber band and you see this pretty much in in all of the old racing games because that was the easiest way to do this difficulty right like uh road rash mario kart it was very, very apparent in Mario Kart. Even, even some more modern games still do a little bit of it just because it's the easy way of getting it done. While Mario Kart still uses the rubber banding a bit, they also have other ways to keep the computer and you in relatively the same pack. So this is the idea is that like when you're at the back of the pack and the computer is way ahead of you, you get the blue shell. Or even other players are way ahead of you, you get the blue shell. Right. Or the bullet bill, which is the newest version. It's just a way to keep the computer more in line with the players so they don't want to get super angry because they suck, like I do, or they don't crush the computer and it gets boring and not competitive anymore. But it's all within that same idea of trying to keep everyone on as level a playing field as possible. Um, I think the funny thing is people have now applied the idea of rubber banding, not the actual actual like mechanic of it, but the idea of making it so it's not too uneven to other genres of games. So it's been brought up, especially in sports games, where if you're beating the computer by like 40 in Madden, let's say, suddenly the like quarterback is just untackable tackleable <laughs> that's not a word you can't tackle the quarterback uh or in uh, nba jam apparently was notorious for it that if you got too far ahead you could not block their dunks but they blocked every single one of your dunks no matter what you did and, and it's just the idea it's that same idea of forcing the ai to either be way better than they should be or way worse than they should be and I guess I could definitely appreciate that, but there's some times where it could be incredibly frustrating, right? Like, it's like, all right, I'm in the clear. I could relax a little bit. Where did all these people come from? Like, it's, it's, has good intentions, but can be incredibly frustratingly implemented. Yeah, so this trope is definitely super relevant, as we've kind of talked about, since it, it took a big part of, of Road Rash. So we will talk about that later, I suppose, when we talk about the main game. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss it in our actual play through the game. But I think that wraps up video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! So then it's time for our main segment. Let's talk Road Rash. Chris, tell me about Road Rash. So the version that we played specifically, at least in the playthrough recently, was Road Rash 2. So it was released in 92 for the Sega Genesis and a 2000 on the Game Boy Color, apparently. It was uh, published by Electronic Arts before they became the evil empire that they are today, I guess. So it was really weird seeing that when it came up because I totally forgot about that. And it just showed the EA and it's like, oh yeah, EA, this was before they were awful. Remember when they developed games other than sports games? Remember when they actually developed games that didn't just buy studios and gut them? So yeah, this game did pretty well. It got an 18.5 out of 20 on GamePro, a 93% on GameFam, 
and an 85% on Sega Force. So in um, Road Rash 2, you get to explore the whole United States as opposed to just California. Whole uh, United in States in quotes. I, yeah, it's five races. Yeah. We'll get into that later. But it's the whole United States instead of just California, like in the first game. So, uh, you know, obviously the first one was very well received as well, uh, hence the sequel. It only came out, again, it only came out one year before the sequel. This is, again, the era of when games came out very quickly. But the other big difference in the games, besides, you know, actually getting to explore more of the United States than in the first game, is the uh, computer racer was a lot better in the second game. So they were made to be less predictable and more individualistic. So they're actually characteristics. And actually, we did notice that when we were playing through that, like PE1 would number do certain one, things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Public enemy number one would do certain things. Or um, That's what that stands for. I was trying to figure that out, and I couldn't <laughs> even comprehend what it could be. That's what the manual's for. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the manual. <laughs> but yeah, so the point is they're supposed to be more individualistic. They had, uh, was it uh, Rude Boy always cut in front of you because he's a jerk and he's rude. Like the whole point was racers actually had, you know, characteristics to them. Some of them would actually, yeah. yeah, some would focus more on the road and others more on the human racer. The other thing is cops were more enhanced because they could actually fight back against the player in uh, Road Rash 2, which was a new mechanic for the second game. They followed this up with Road Rash 3 in 98 for the PlayStation. They also had Road Rash 64 in 99, obviously for the 64. They had Road Rash Jailbreak in 2000 for the PlayStation and Game Boy Advance. They had a spiritual successor, which was Road Rash Redemption, in 2017 and 2018 for Windows and the Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. So Road Rash is still out there, kind of, sort of, somehow. And we think we played Road Rash 1 originally. I'm pretty sure we talked about this. We're not entirely sure. So what I think actually happened, and you have the proof, Chris, I think it's the box for Road Rash 1, but it's Road Rash 2 that we played because I remember the chain, which only comes in Road Rash 2. Should I, like, check on this? Should I, like, I mean, go downstairs? you have the game. All right, give me, like, five minutes. Okay. BRB! So, Chris, what were the results? So, I looked, and we've got the original Road Rash for the Sega Genesis. I opened it because it felt like there were two cartridges inside, and it was Road Rash 1 and Vector Man. (laughs) (laughs) So, we clearly must have played Road Rash 2, and I really think Road Rash 3 somewhere else. Because I remember swinging the chain around your head. That's not a thing that was in... That wasn't a thing in Road Rash 2. No, yes, it was. In Road Rash 2, it was. You kind of did, but you couldn't just continuously... Yes, you could. Could What you you? had to do is if you hit up and then C, which is the weapon, and then you held C, it would just keep going. All right. But the point is, I remember the chain, and that didn't exist until Road Rash 2. So, rented it? 
We must have. Okay. Well, that, that answers that. That's funny. So I think it's about that time. Uh, we've gone over the basics of the game. So now it's time to go back to the past and figure out what we actually thought about the game. More than allude to it, what did we actually think about the game before we played it again? So uh, let's play that Chiacarina of Time. Here we go. All right, now it's time to take a look back and see what we thought of this game without any sort of bias of playing it recently, just kind of memories, anything we experienced with it in our childhood and how we remember it. So, Katie, what do you remember about Road Rash? The thing that always stands out to me most when I think of this game are the weapons and or attacks that you can do to your fellow bikers. So you could pick up a chain, which was just boss and you just whack people with it, or you could just kick them to make them go away. I feel like I got a lot of anger out while playing this game. So I'd be like, smash, 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 which is you know, not realistic for a racing game, but I remember like you could steal the weapons too. Like if you, you just started with fists and then you could, like, you would see someone with a chain. You'd be like, oh, he's got a chain! Yeah. And you'd, like, desperately run over to him and try to grab it. Exactly. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you could just, like, hold down the button and you would just, like, swing it in a circle around your head. Yes. And I feel like I would just drive along and just swing the chain around. Oh, absolutely. Like, just completely, you know, irregardless of anything else that was happening in the game. Absolutely. No, I mean, that that is one of my most distinct memories about this game is because I definitely had anger issues as a child, I think, and, and, and <laughs> like to destroy people. And and especially, you know, when we would, because this is another game, we didn't have a ton of games that were two-player. Um, and as a two-player game, we could play against each other. And so trying to smash each other was absolutely thrilling. Oh, yeah. I remember playing this at home a lot. I remember playing it at Friends as well, mm -hmm. which I feel like there wasn't a ton of games that we both had and played at other people's houses. You know what I mean? We had a really weird collection of games is, I think, part of the problem. Yeah. It definitely was a game that it was one of those staple games that a lot of people, if you had a Sega Genesis, you pretty much had Road Rash or Road Rash 2. The other thing I remember, because again indicative of my play style and i sucked i remember when you'd get like you'd you'd crash or you'd get spun out you'd have to run back to your bike to get it and sometimes it took so freaking long yeah i forgot about that so freaking long because i suck so much and i'd crash so often it'd be like and you're like running in your like suit and everything and it was so awkward and you'd be like where's my bike where's my bike oh it's taking forever like it just took so long sometimes to get back to your bike yeah i just remember that the catharsis of that game of just as you said, wailing away at people with a chain or a crowbar. I don't remember turning. I feel like it was one of those like spy hunter type games where it's like you turn, but not a lot. Yeah, it was like it was very subtle kind of movements. They weren't like courses where you made like U-turns all of a sudden or anything. I remember the controls when it comes to any sort of turns or even moving when you had like you're you're going against people were super finicky, like I'd hit like, or I swore maybe I didn't because again of my playing style not being great. I swore I'd like barely touch over to get close to someone and my bike would just go careening into them. Like you just go flying. I remember yelling a lot during this game. I feel like I, I definitely lots remember of lots of yelling while playing this game. Yelling because you're mad, yelling because you're excited. God, the oncoming traffic, which I hit almost every time. <laughs> wasn't a great player i'm just gonna throw that out there 
I think you could buy, I remember buying bikes. You could buy new yes. bikes, maybe? Yeah, you definitely could. I think producer Kyle threw out, was it the Diablo? Yes. What the, was it? Yes, he is yeah. confirming the Diablo. I was trying to make sure I wasn't getting that confused with a GTA 3 car, which also might be a Diablo. I mean, that would be appropriate. I think the other thing I remember about the game, in kind of a contradiction to a lot of the games we've covered so far on the podcast, I don't remember the music being that great. It just, it, it felt, I, I remember it being there, but it felt very what you would think of generic video game music for that era of like bit type music. It, I don't remember it being a huge, I remember it being there, but I don't remember it being a huge feature of the game in comparison to a lot of the other games we've played where music was, you know, really important, or at least there had really good soundtracks and stuff. And I don't think that's the case with Road Rash, if I remember correctly. I don't remember the music at all. But it was definitely like, it was intentionally bit music, video game style music. But I don't remember it being standout music in comparison to like Earthworm Jim that we played or even Vector Man or, you know, some of the other games we've played. Even, you know, you have classic video game music like Super Mario RPG, but it was, it just, I don't know. There was something about that music that it just struck me as more generic for whatever reason. Not bad, but it just, it just, I remember it being much more generic. Like, they went to someone, was like, we're doing a video game about motorcycles. Give us some rock video game music. And that's what they asked for, and that's what they got. You know? Right. I think the thing with this game, at, at the end of the day, I think when it comes to our memories of this game, we both remember playing it. I know we played it a lot, but I don't think my memories were more around the game content itself. It was more of the feelings that came along with the game. It was the high energy, the yelling, the screaming, the kind of like, this was an adrenaline game for us. This is a game that got us hyped up, got us like yelling and smacking each other. Well, me probably smacking you, Uh, you know, (laughs) like that was the kind of game this was. It it was a fun game. and, And I'm not saying it's not. I just don't know if the game stuck in my memory beyond that, because it was more about the, the feelings around the game than the game itself that I'm remembering possibly. Yeah, I feel like if there was any sort of story, we didn't really care about it. We yeah. just wanted to race bikes, so yeah. it was a great and game smash to bikes. just yeah, yeah, it's a great game to just have fun. Like, so obviously it doesn't really stick out a ton other than that, but I don't think it needed to. Yeah. So, I th- I think that's exactly correct. So in that sense, then what score? What's your rose tinted score, Chris? What would you give it? I'm gonna go. Just because I remember having fun with it a lot, but it doesn't stick out. Probably a seven and a half. So I'll say a seven. Take it back. Okay, with the seven. What about you? What's your rose tinted score? I'm gonna say I'm gonna get it a little bit lower than that. I'm gonna put it at like a six and a half, purely because I just I feel like there's a reason I'm not remembering as much of the game, and I'm only remember the feelings around it. That there just wasn't. I enjoyed playing it a ton. I'm not thinking it didn't. It just it didn't stick in my memory like overtly. I remember it, but I don't remember details of it. So I'm just going to say a six and a half that I liked it well enough, but I wasn't like in love with the game or anything like that. So I'd say a six and a half. So then moving forward, what's your predictive score on the replay, Chris? And I, I believe we will be replaying the Road Rash 2 in particular. I think I'm going to go probably way lower because I feel like there's not a lot of depth to it, especially compared to newer games. Like, it might have been good at the time. I think I'm going to go a predicted score of five and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to drop it a bunch, but I, I guess we'll see. Uh, how about you? What do you think you're going to give it? 
Um, I, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to have a lot of the same feelings around it. I think I'm going to still enjoy playing it. I think the controls are going to be just as finicky as I remember of being like, you just touch it and you fly off the screen, which is going to frustrate the heck out of me. So I'm probably going to give it a six, just slightly lower than what I remember it as. There's a reason I think that it did inspire enough adrenaline in us that we liked playing it all the time. I just don't know if it's an amazing over-the-top game. So sticking with the six. Which has kind of been on par for us where we, you know, we know we're going to give it less scores. Sometimes that's happened. A I lot feel like it hasn't. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that this might actually track that way, but... We'll see. Our our our, re- our track record so far hasn't been great. I, I'm trying to go. I know producer Kyle has told us our track record so far. I think we should do an official tally in podcast if we make it to like episode ten. We'll 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 catch up then and see how well our predictions are going. That's fair. Okay, so we have our rose tinted scores. We have our predicted scores. Guess it means it's time to uh, play the game, and then after we play the game, we'll be recording. So let's go back to the present where we know how we played. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> perfect. Kyle. Was it? Kyle is shaking his head, which means it's perfect. <laughs> Excellent. All right, vroom, vroom, indeed. We are back. So now that we have had time to play the game... How do we feel that it's held up, Katie? Also, can I say that I sounded really, really tired in that rose-tinted segment. I don't know if that's one of those, like, we did it late on a Thursday night, but I sounded so tired. I I think we're getting to that age, Chris, when we often just sound tired. (laughs) Like, listening to it, it's just like, oh, no. Is that oh god, alright, I gotta I gotta take care of myself better. To be fair, as much as our Twitch commenters have been amazing, we did get a comment at one point that was like, for a game we're playing later on, it will be announced at the end of this episode, was like, Oh, this isn't like your you know, this is a real game, unlike your kitty game Fortnite. And I was like, Do you see the age of the people doing this yeah. podcast? Do you think <laughs> any of us have ever done Fortnite? <laughs> Do we Ugh. look like the age demographic that does Fortnite? I was say we're literally playing a Sega Genesis game right now. Well, that right? wasn't. That was that was we were playing. That was a, a later a, generation. Yes, it was a later generation, which we will but talk still, about later. On principle. Yes. So our old age aside, I, I would say my my actual impressions of the game were it's very much as what I remembered it as. It Absolutely. Was, it was. It felt like it. It feels like an arcade game. Like those those racing games you do in the arcades. That is a great way to put it. Where, you know, it's just exactly the, the there there aren't significant turns. There are some little turns here or there, but there aren't significant turns and you're just going straight and it just it felt like an arcade game again. And you got to punch, you got to kick, you got to use a club or a chain if you managed to steal them. It was it was what I remembered of the game. What about you? Right, it was just kind of like a lean back and forth. Like, you can, obviously you could do it with the D-pad, but it was just one of those really come-at-you-quick games where it's one of those, it wasn't a a lot of detail with the tracks. I mean, there was detail, but, like, it was just kind of, you swerve back and forth. We kind of said this in the rose-tinted segment. There wasn't, like, you weren't doing hairpin turns or anything like that. It was just kind of ups and downs and lefts and rights. Just kind of very, well, I, I wouldn't even say gradual because there was... One of my 
dings against it was that sometimes you would just have a blind turn over a hill and it was awful. Oh, so, so awful sometimes. Some of those turns that just came out of nowhere. But I would say credit, as much as it was a really basic game, each of the only five tracks, and let's talk about the fact there were literally just five tracks you did over and over and over and over again. But they were unique in the sense that like the backgrounds were very distinctly wherever you were supposed to be and it yep. actually reacted differently. So when you were in Arizona, if you went off the road, the sand made you skid out sooner than yeah. the grass would. And that's really impressive for a game of its era. Like things like that, little things like that, which it was actually kind of impressive that those kind of things happened in this game, whereas they could have just slapped on different colors and you'd be fine. They actually added some other elements to it, which was impressive. Yeah. And I know we try to talk about the plot of the game. There wasn't really a plot to this game. You were correct in that sense. There yeah. was no plot. I mean, there was one. The only way to really get it was through the manual itself. And then the little cutscenes when you win or lose, you'd have the other racers kind of talk crap to you. Yeah. And that's about it. But that's the funny thing is like the manual, again, was really cool with the manual. Each of the racers had a picture and a description of who they were, what their background was, what their like inspiration for racing was. Like that's how we found out that public enemy number one, that she was like an outlaw and was like a genius or some weird stuff. Like, like they had backgrounds and stories and that that's kind of hilarious and fascinating that they put all of these really detailed explanations in the manual, but nowhere in the actual game. I thought that was really cool. They had a bunch of unique racers that had, as you said, personalities and styles. I'm I'm looking at the, the Road Rash 1 manual right now, and it has the guy, one of the guys that made it into Road Rash 2, Akira, which made me giggle as soon as I saw it. Ikira. Ikira, yes. Not Akira, Ikira. But his description, at least in the Road Rash 1 manual, is the coolest export from Japan since the Sega. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I love that. It's little things like that that are just really entertaining. And, and that's kind of fun that came with the game. So they had, what, five levels, right? We kind of said they had five levels. Alaska, Alaska Hawaii, Tennessee, Arizona, Vermont, Vermont. Yeah. So those are the five tracks, and then each of them gets progressed. There's five levels beyond that. Right, so there's, right, right. And each level, the tracks get progressively longer and longer. And that was the way that this game, the developers, in a sense, kind of cheated. When we say there's five tracks, they literally built basically a, like, 15-plus-mile track and then picked various spots along the way to have different final points for each of the lower levels right so like level one was around the six mile mark and then level two was around the eight or nine mile mark and then level three was at the ten like like that's how they built and you literally would pass the finish lines of the earlier levels and you could you could kind of tell because it was like a, a collection of of a bunch of people yeah and it's just like oh yeah oh that was that was the last level Right, exactly. And that that's how they, they literally built five tracks and then divided them up yeah. to smaller segments. Well, and they made, so as you progress through the levels, they also made the uh, computer faster, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the kind of you had to upgrade your bike to get a better bike because that was another mechanic that I think we touched on in the Rose Tinted yeah. segment. You could buy new bikes and they had, um, they had what, horsepower and weight. Those were pretty much yes. the only things you knew about it. And there was probably a ton of stuff in the background 
that was relevant. Yeah, I think like the heavier ones were like more durable and stuff so they yeah. wouldn't fall apart as easily because, you know, when you crash, because it's a when for me, not an if, you need to know like how much damage was done to each bike. And so, yeah, they the, at each level, the computers would get an upgraded bike. You could upgrade more often than that, but at each level, the computers upgraded. I thought that part was very interesting and at the same time, incredibly hard. Like I think producer Kyle brought this up when we were streaming at one point, but it's like, you literally cannot buy a bike that is too fast or too shaky for you. Because if you do, you're done. Because they get harder to control as they get faster, right? That makes sense. Yeah. But if you buy a bike that's too good for you, it's almost impossible to do anything well in that race. And when you do that, it almost felt like it set you back a ton because you only got like half the money on the trade-in if you tried to yeah. buy another bike so it's like you could go buy a bike and if you didn't save at the right point or get get any sort of password you set yourself back a ton yeah yeah you had a and this this actually created a, a an element of grinding i didn't expect in a non like rpg yeah like the producer kyle and i when we were doing our playthrough ended up grinding a ton on level one like we were easily winning every single race but we were doing that to build up enough money to buy a better bike not even right away but so that when we go into level two if we needed to upgrade our bike we had the money immediately to upgrade our bike we didn't have to suffer through getting 10th place, 5th place, 4th right. place, 5th place. We had it already by grinding and getting first over and over and over again in level 1. And that was something I didn't expect in a racing game. Yeah, because like in, in level 1, you would get like $750 for first place or something like that. I think it was 1000 I think it was, it was a actually 1000 Yeah, 1, it was 1000 And then in level 2, it's like, oh, it's 2000 which is great. But if you're in like 8th place, if you've got a bad bike, you get like $100. Yeah, it, it, that, that's the difficulty, and, you know, even though, and this game, as we kind of mentioned earlier, absolutely had rubber banding. Yeah. Like, this was absolutely a situation where you could initially, like, if you had a good enough bike and you didn't suck, you could pass everyone in the first minute and a half of the game. However, you have, like, one crash, and they've caught up to you immediately. Even All if you've them, been yeah. ahead of them for the whole time, everyone can catch up to you so quickly. The super cathartic part, uh, playing against the computers right if you knock someone off and you'd hear them go Bruh! and you would see like their empty bike kind of running next to you just upright for like a tenth yes. of a mile yes that was a great feeling and be like especially with the chain you could just whip yeah. people off their bike and it was such a great feeling because it would just keep going straight we should explain some of the mechanics we've been kind of alluding to sure we were pretty correct in the rose tinted segment but you're racing a motorcycle and there's cars going both ways. If you hit a car or if you skid off the side or hit a signpost, you'll go flying. We talked about weapons, right? You could you could steal weapons from other people. We were right. And I'm pretty sure it was specific racers had specific weapons. Yes. So like Lawson always had the club, mm -hmm. but PE number one always had the chain. And it would change per level. Yeah. Different levels, different characters had different ones. But you could always know who had it per level. Right. So you would just keep going back to those people. Ease. And they could steal yeah. it back. I had forgotten about that. And the chain was, run, the chain was like, so, so much, much better. better. Like not even close. Two or three hits and you're knocking people off bikes. I think we got a lot of this game right. And unlike in the previous games where it's because we had played them more recently, we got a lot of this game right in our rose-tinted section because 
it's a really basic game. Yeah. It's really straightforward. It's racing on bikes and you hit people. Like that's it. It's that's all it was. That's all it claimed to be. Yeah. And that's okay. And we had a ton of fun with it. I mean, even with the really basic graphics, even with the really just simple gameplay, it got my adrenaline going at times. I would get stressed out when I oh, just yeah. like barely get like don't get hit by a car. Big, <laughs> like the noises I made playing this game were impressive. And that that's kind of telling of the game itself that like it didn't have to have immersive graphics where no. I felt like I was on the bike and yet my adrenaline still shot up at times. And that that's fun. That's what this was a hard game to play on Twitch because it was really hard to look at Twitch comments and play the game at the same time. Yeah. Because you literally had, you couldn't take your eyes off the road. And also, it was the same five courses over and over again. Well, or yeah. sometimes the same course over and over again when you sucked. Yeah. I wish this game had a better carrot on the end of the stick. Like, yes. as we talked about the grinding, it was grinding to almost survive the levels. It wasn't grinding to do better. I mean, it was. You were doing better, but it's like... And I guess I can appreciate that where you would get a better bike and you needed to be better to use that better bike, but that made it really hard and it kind of took away some of that feeling of accomplishment almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely had multiple times, especially in level three when we were playing it, because I think we stopped at level three because I was not going to pass level three. I was never going to qualify in level three because I'd get to a point at like four miles, which is less than half of the race, and be like, well, there's about 10% of my bike left. I'm not going to make it <laughs> because there was a fail condition that I had totally forgotten about. Like if you get arrested or busted, I guess if you get busted, meaning you fall off your bike near a police officer, or if you wreck your bike, you get charged money. Yes. And not only does that put you back, but if you run out of money, that's a game over. That's how, and, and that seems too, if you, if your bike, as I kept saying, my motorcycle pop, which I think annoyed Kyle because it's <laughs> wrecking a motorcycle, but I always said it, it popped. Uh, it took 10% of the value of the bike. So again, if you wrecked your bike enough times and you didn't have money, it was game over. Yeah. And they don't, they don't bust any computer opponents. No, never. Like you could knock a computer down in front of them and they just kept They're going just come, in front of like, you. you. And I just, yeah. that seems unfair to me. But yeah, and but I mean, the, the cops would definitely have that adrenaline spike too, like because you'd you hear just the, hear the it, siren yeah. and you're like, oh, there's like a don't cop. wreck, don't wreck, don't put it down. The number of times where I, the siren would stop oh. and I would wreck like a second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't saying anything, so it's fine. <laughs> Producer Lisa clearly just did something in in uh, origami, origami king. king. So something bad. Something you well, clearly it was something bad. She's mad. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I'm enjoying the hissy fit right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I would like to briefly point out, by the way, not everyone stopped at level three. Are you making fun of me, or are you tooting your own horn? He's tooting his own horn. Oh, that's fair. No, I said our playthrough stopped at level three. And I specifically called myself out for sucking. So excuse you. I didn't just sit there and grind all day long because somebody can both work and play Road Rash at the same time. I didn't even make it out of level two. So I just couldn't like. I only made it out of level three because Kyle did the hard races because he did Hawaii and Alaska. Which, what, were the probably the two hardest races? 
Oh, easily the two hardest races, and yet they were the first two races that you had to that it it, it, it gave wanted you, yeah. you to do because it gave you could, you, you, could, those two. you could pick what level you were on. Those two were easily the hardest two races, but the developers, for whatever reason, listed them as race one and two of every level, and it's just cruel. It's just awful. You're already racing against faster people, and if you didn't know they were the hardest, if you hadn't realized that, you're going against the hardest races against better racers, and you're like, well, I'm doomed. Yeah. I'm doomed on these levels. And in theory, you haven't necessarily gotten a better bike yet, so it's just like you're behind the eight ball almost immediately. The whole time. But I mean, there were ways around that. I think, I, and we mentioned this in the rose tinted glasses and producer Kyle and I got to try the uh, mono a mono mode as well as the racing split screen modes. I know like playing mono a mono, which is just you and the second player, mm -hmm. you and I played that all the time as kids because oh, yeah. there, I just remember only us playing with just the two of us. But the great thing about that is you got to pick a, a weapon yeah. at the start, which you don't get to do in the normal version. So of course we both pick chains all the time. And B, you get to pick whatever bike you want. Like, it's just like money is no object. Right. And so we picked the Diablo. Whatever, 5,000. The Diablo 1000N mm. for Nitro. And it went so ridiculously fast and was so hard to control. It was a good way to test out the bikes. The mano a mano was so much fun. I think that's what we played all the time because we didn't care about beating other people. We just wanted to beat on each other, let's be honest. Right. Like, what siblings don't? I did not play any of the two-player on this playthrough because these types of games are not producer Lisa's cup of tea, unless there was a lot of other people around watching, which I, I felt a lot about this game. Like, this is definitely a fun game to play if you kind of want to play and not think too much. Yeah. But it's also, I feel like, a good game if there's a bunch of people around where you could kind of laugh. Oh, it's a and, great party game yeah. to laugh at and play with and go fast and it's a game that would be fine to talk over because I kind of, we talked about it in the Rose Tinted Glasses, but the music wasn't great. It was about a 20 second loop over and over and over again. But credit, each level was slightly different. Like Tennessee had a weird twang to it and then Hawaii had like drums. I just remember getting to Hawaii and both producer Lisa and I just went, is this supposed to be island music? Like I can hear it. Like the little like, Weird, yeah, like, like you could like hear it. Drum, like wooden drum, <laughs> as much as you can get wooden drums in in midis. Yeah, exactly. So just say. And like you didn't really need any sound effects other than, I guess, skidding. If you were skidding around, I did that a lot. Yeah, that was one of those I realized really quick that you do way better if you just don't hold down the accelerator the whole time. Which, you know, yeah, I had to learn that from producer Kyle being like, you shouldn't hold it as much. It's it's most racing games, but you didn't expect that to actually have that much nuance in a game that old. Or I just totally underrated what the devs were doing. Overall, I think we enjoyed our experience despite being a little frustrating at times. So I think it's about that time. Chris, you gave this a rose-tinted score of 7. You predicted a 5.5. What is your final score? I think I'm going to go with the six. It was fun. It was frustrating with with the limited tracks and having to grind. I think the grind is really what got to me. And as I said, I wanted a better carrot at the end of the stick. I liked playing it uh, for tiny bits at a time. It was hard to play for an extended period of time. That was my problem. Like, I it was one of those things I would want to go. I was like, I need to play this game more. And it's like, I kind of want to play something else. Like, 
it was one of those, if I had nothing else to do, sure, I would play this and it'd be a ton of fun with other people. But I, I'll, again, six out of 10, not, not terrible, not great. What about you? You gave it a six and a half with your rose tinted. You predicted a six. What is your score? I'm actually going to give it a five and a half. I'm going to drop it a little bit. I, I agree with you. I think it's a game that I didn't want to play all the time. It was fine when playing it, but I, I got really easily frustrated. I'm someone who gets very easily frustrated. Mm-hmm. So crashing all the time just drove me nuts. It's definitely a game you kind of, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a great game to play with other people. And I think I could play it a lot longer if I was always playing with other people in two player mode or with people watching and just making a show of it and everything, but just flat out trying to play the quote unquote campaign. It wasn't for me. Yeah. And so I I think a five and a half, it was fine. It was enjoyable. It got my adrenaline going. It's better than it's not terrible, but it just isn't great. It's a hard game to play for a long time. Yeah. It's definitely a game. See, I like being invested in my games. I like thinking during my games. And this is, as you kind of said, this is not a game you think in. This is great for people who want to just turn off and just play and not think about things. That's not my style of gaming. And I think that's why it just didn't appeal to me as much as it could have. Agreed. So overall, I think, I think we enjoyed our playthrough again, but I wasn't like my favorite game that we've played again. This is not a a remake that I I think I was missing out on for the last few years. I should say, when we were throwing this up on Twitch and Facebook, we had a lot of people that remembered it very fondly. Like, it literally came up almost out of nowhere, and producer Lisa was on a telecon with a coworker, and they were talking about video games, and it's like, my favorite game was Road Rash. No, no, I agree. I think at the end of the day, I think this is kind of the recommendation we give a lot of the time, which is if you played it and liked it before, you'll still like it. You'll still enjoy it. You'll have the nostalgia. I think playing with friends and playing in a group is definitely the way to do it. Um, I think, again, I think part of the sensibilities around this game is the appeal of a game to a eight-year-old or nine-year-old versus a 35 year old right and that's that's the other difference we're talking about well like i think a kid would absolutely love to play this game over and over and over again because that's that would something be something that appeals to them if you've never played it and you're like in your 30s i don't know if this game would be fun at all for you so i think again my final verdict is often the case to be if you played it and loved it as a kid go ahead and play it with some friends again if you've never played this before you can probably give it a pass that sounds about right. So I think that's our agreement and thoughts on Road Rash. I think we've wrapped up that game. I think we're both satisfied with as much as we played it. It's probably not a game we are going to play again anytime soon. So it's on to the next episode, which is episode 007. What could that mean? What could that mean? Except for one of the most fun first-person shooters of all time when it comes to retro games, GoldenEye 007. Super looking forward to reviewing and playing this game again. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. Tune in when we talk about our experiences with it because it's very unusual compared to what we've done thus far. And it's also just a great game that I think a lot of people have played or at least heard of. It was definitely the game of our childhood that everyone played at parties. So that will be the next episode. Episode 007 will be GoldenEye 007. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe and you can find us all over the place on the internet. Find us on Spotify, Apple, 
Android, Google Podcasts, pretty much every major podcasting platform. We would love for you guys to leave us some reviews. Five-star reviews would be great, but please let us know how we're doing. Make sure to check us out on all those social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. We're all at GWGWShow. Uh, it's a great way to interact with us, especially on, on Twitch when we're streaming quite often. Uh, every Tuesday, we will be doing our Coast to Coast co-op where Katie and I and producer Kyle and producer Lisa will be playing random games, not just vintage games. So make sure to come in, drop us a line, say hi, give us suggestions, give us tips. We love tips on Twitch because we don't know what we're doing a lot. Facts. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much to producers Kyle and Lisa. You all are awesome. We wouldn't do this without you. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Give me a Ric Flair, woo!